Hi, I'm Father Matt Face. And I'm Amanda Vernon. This is We Should Pray. The podcast where we discuss how prayer transforms tragedy into comedy. In this episode, someone jumps into a pit of despair. <laughs> of despair. Vanity, vanities. We should pray. We should pray. Can you enter another's chaos? And emerge unscathed. That's the question. What what do we mean, though? Chaos, unscathed. I looked it up in the dictionary, actually. Oh, I was going to explain it. Yeah, please do. Uh, So we could explain it, and then we could revel in the tragedy... Of it. And then we can pray. Sounds good. What else? And then just laugh a lot. That's usually what we do. Yeah. That's pretty fun. I'd like to thank Amanda Vernon, not like myself, but Amanda Vernon patrons. <laughs> I mean, you would like to thank yourself as well. I mean, I'm grateful for myself. Uh, Amanda Vernon patrons <laughs> who make this podcast possible. They also help feed my children, feed the children fund. If you'd like to become an Amanda Vernon patron and learn about the rewards involved, visit amandavernon.com slash patron. Chaos. A state of utter confusion or discord. Ohio. (laughs) Oh, not not that kind of state. Sorry. Sorry. I mean like state of life. Ah. Situation to be in. Yes. Makes sense. One of the United States, possibly. <laughs> I'd like to point out before we get too far into this episode that that chaos will look different for different people mm-hmm. because like maybe somebody is going through something that like everyone can observe as as a chaotic state mm-hmm. and then somebody else has something that's really interior and other people don't even know that they have these problems or this um what is it utter confusion. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's a lot easier to recognize certain chaoses. Right, like somebody has cancer or yeah. some sort of illness um, or they just lost a job or some some, some life uh, event that others can easily recognize as a state of disorder. Or, um, yeah, you know, I think there's there's that, right? Like the, the external facing chaos is obviously easier to recognize than like internal stuff. But, but also there's there's just people who play things closer to the chest, right? And That's like, true. They could be going through something that others could easily acknowledge as chaos, but they don't. They don't let anyone know. Yeah. So there's just like all of that chaos, even though it's not observable. Yeah. Right. In 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 concert, when we're talking about chaos, because I like to talk about chaos in concert, because who wouldn't? Um, we. <laughs> I mean, probably a lot of people. Well, we were but, talking yeah, about mercy. Going. And and like like when you enter another's chaos, that's an act of mercy. Yeah. Absolutely. So so talk about this in concert, and then try to give some examples of like different levels of chaos, and that it's like valid whatever level that you're at. And um, so I talk about our babysitter in California. I'm laughing. I don't want to <laughs> laugh at her. She's sorry. Let me start over. I talked about. <laughs> No, you're going to have to laugh. Okay. Our babysitter in California when we first moved out to the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. after growing up in Michigan and then traveling all across the nation, moving out to California for the first time, there (laughs) one of the first days that we were there, they canceled school because it was a rain day. It was raining. 
Yeah. It was a weather day. A weather day. Yeah, instead of a snow day that we grew up with, it was a yeah. weather day because it was raining. And I mean, it was drizzling. Like I was trying, I was waiting for the <laughs> storm. Right. And like I, I went to the dentist and I, I asked. So it's like doing all these first time things. And like it wasn't the first time I went to the dentist. It was just the first <laughs> time in California. So I get there. And I'm like, so where is the storm? And she's like, it's happening now. I look out the window. It's like drizzling. Yeah. So I get I get back home and the babysitter arrives. OK, it's her first time coming over to watch our kids. And I say like, hey, did you hear about this storm that we're having? And she said, yeah, isn't it so scary? And I'm like, what? No. What? And yeah, and she's like, I'm so scared when it rains. And then so I tried not to laugh and kind of ask her, like, why are you scared? And so, but then she explained, and I think, David, we have a couple of pictures of San Francisco for a little visual. Cause you know, like, I think most people, even if they haven't been to San Francisco, if they live in the United States, they can kind of picture like those hills are so iconic. Yeah, with like the house. Yeah, they're almost like vertical. Right. Yeah. And so this is the area that we lived in. And so you see, like the cars are parked. You have to turn. You have to turn the wheel um, sharply when you park, so that if somebody hits your car, your car doesn't just like roll down slide the hill. down the entire hill. Yeah. So turns out our babysitter lived at the top of one of these hills mm. in the San Francisco Bay Area, and that she said every time it rains, I look down the hill and see car accidents. And I thought, oh, okay, that's actually really. Um, tragic and and um, chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. For her to grow up like that, realizing that every time there's rain, like somebody's life is in danger mm -hmm. and that she's observing it. So I like to use that to point out like, even though it was like a drizzle for me, it was a serious, that like that storm had serious implications for her. And right, I feel yeah. like that could be applied to, you know, somebody who's maybe going through a hurricane versus somebody who has a little drizzle in their life. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Or missing anything? No, I think that's that. That's a right. That's a good way to frame it, right? Because it's not. Um, it's not just casting like objectiveness aside, right? Objective mm -hmm. truth, but it is recognizing that, like, we have to be really slow to judge right. what's affecting someone and how much it's affecting them. And like, yeah, maybe this wouldn't be a big deal for you or for someone else, but that's because you have different experiences, different formation, different. Um, ways to handle those things so that's that's a good reminder about being easy with our judgments well said so so our topic can you enter another's chaos another's chaos and emerge unscathed mm -hmm. so when we say unscathed which is a fun word to say yeah. unhurt unharmed uninjured i think that covers it mm -hmm. all right so we're going to talk a little, a little, just a little bit about our own chaos. We're not going to get into tons of detail. Like, let me tell you about my chaos, even though that sounds fun. Maybe next no, episode. <laughs> no, but more no. than just dwelling on our own chaos, I'd like to, to really reflect on what it means to enter another's <laughs> chaos, like to yeah. accompany someone else in their storm, so to speak. Um, so one element of chaos that I wanted to bring up, which is difficult to address is pornography and um, I was thinking about how both you for you and David and like most of the people I know especially especially men but not only men mm -hmm. um, how harmful pornography has been in your life in your past and and even the effects of that as that continues um, and so like that wound or that chaos leaves a mark. Um, so we're talking about yep. can you emerge unscathed yet like it causes wounds. And so 
when I think about David's experience with pornography as he's explained it to me, um, he, I would say it's quite unusual that he was able to, at a very young age of like, I think he said 18, maybe 19, recognize like in an instant, like, oh, using pornography is not going to be good for my future. It's not going to be good for my future wife, for the life that God has planned for me. This is not a good thing to be involved with. So I'll stop. And that was the end. Like, that's ideal. Yeah, that's that's an awesome experience. That's yeah. such a blessing. But I want to say that, like, even though he was able, able, by the grace of God, to just make up his mind and stop right then, that that still caused damage. Like, sin always causes damage. Absolutely does, And yeah. so um, I'd like to, to get back to that a little bit later. Um, but also to point out that that's typically not people's experience trying to heal from and move on from pornography. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, differences there. Yeah. And I'm so, and I, and what something that we've shared like in our book, even Mm -hmm. that you wrote about and when God wrecks your romance is your experience of like going to confession and then going to confession again and continuing to try to be free from that. Not only the wounds that was causing, but like being involved with it. Um, And so I feel like that's more typical. Yeah. I mean, um, for me that the, the struggle with, with pornography was, um, was one where, I mean, like David, I was able to recognize like, this is not helpful for me. This is not healthy. This is not good. This is leading me away from Christ, right? There's all of these things. Um, and yet it was, it was something that would keep, uh, pulling me back in. Right. Right. Um, like knowing like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And yet somehow still getting sucked into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and yeah, so the, the, that that recognition of like don't want to do it, and yet getting yeah. pulled in that was um, that was more of my experience, and and I think that's um, that's often a common experience. I don't know if it's more common or whatever, but that's more often what you hear about. Yeah, I mean, definitely more common to the my friends and family and every anyone I've talked to mm-hmm. about it. Um, so I don't know, like statistically or whatever, yeah. but like in our own experiences of, um, you know, stories that we've heard or what we've personally experienced. And so I just want to mention that to say that like we have our own chaos over here, all of us um, in different ways. And and looking at like what does it mean to enter into someone else's chaos mm-hmm. and how um, – I, I was thinking about David now and trying to think like, what's David's chaos today? Like current David Shaheen chaos. And I, I, <laughs> I couldn't think of really that much, but then I thought about myself. As you do. And I realized I'm David's chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that Is makes... that fair to say? Yeah. Am I flattering myself? <laughs> I mean, no comment from me. He said, "We could say, that. yeah, okay. I want to talk about this a little bit because it's like he's like entering my chaos, but I am his chaos. I'm trying to figure out what where the roles are here. <laughs> but like, I okay. For instance, I asked David to go to therapy, <laughs> not for not because of himself, but because of me. I'm like, listen, you've been dealing with me for a long time now. We've been married, you know, eleven years, and well, this was like last year. We've been married." 10 years now and I've gone through a lot and you've been here with me going through it also so I think that you should also go to the therapy 
So we went to like a couple of different therapists. And um, one was actually a Holy Cross priest, you know. Yeah. Father, Father Bill. And um, hi, Father Bill. Yeah, because because <laughs> I guess we had self-diagnosed me with... Um, <laughs> PTSD, was it? Let's see. <laughs> PPD, PTSD. <laughs> ah, yes. So... I had had post-traumatic stress (laughs) syndrome from Amanda's postpartum depression. So I was like, I think you need to make sure to like work on this too. So he goes to Father Bill for like, I don't know, who's a psychologist and a priest for like six weeks or like consecutive weeks. And I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, David. This is how I remember the assessment going. He was like, your life is very stressful (laughs) and he goes but you're particularly strong (laughs) david's like and he's like that's it (laughs) that's cool and then david's like what does the word magnanimous mean (laughs) he's like father bill said i am that i'm like yes you are and then i was like why don't you go see another doctor because maybe he's wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was like uh yeah he's like He's like, you got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I was like, all right. I'm going to say something else about that. But he's like, that was, yeah. No. And you're doing, you're doing a good job. I mean, we, we talked about breathing, breathing, deep, deep breathing and things like that when I got stressed out and stuff, watching yeah. kids and things like that, which that, that was good to remember. Yeah. That the deep breathing helps. But it was mostly just affirmation like, yeah, this, this is tough and. <laughs> You bet it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's mean, good to hear, right? Meanwhile, like, <laughs> I go to get my brain measured, and the doctor's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> You're off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> but Hooray. then I take some deep breaths, and she's like, okay, so you know how to control this, but <laughs> watch out for it. Right? And so David went to the same neurofeedback therapy that i did mm-hmm. and um yeah, i was excited to, f- to find something yeah, so i'm yeah. like let's check your brain this right? was again at your behest that he yeah. went yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> i wanted to know too okay that's good okay yeah. we cooperated on this and so it sounds like magic <laughs> it does a little <laughs> bit so he, he reported back to me and i and i mentioned it to the kids at dinner because we talk about mental health openly and that's i said good. to them i'm like so guys so dad had his brain scanned um uh, and to see you know what and I said, what do you guys think? Do you think that dad's doing really well and nothing really is wrong at all? Or do you think like he's a little off? <laughs> and our son, 10-year-old son, is like, I think he's a little off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamal, twisting the knife. <laughs> but no, <clears throat> nothing. There's nothing to be found that yeah. David Jean needs to improve in his mental health. Different. He's got a good brain. So... There's some stress, a lot of stress, a lot of things going on, <laughs> pointing at myself. Yeah. Mm. So, um, unscathed. <laughs> Let's talk about ca- the and unscathed part later. Let's stay in the chaos. Okay. Father Brian, we've talked about Father Brian Williams before. He's one of your great man compadres. Good brother. What could you tell somebody who's never met Father Brian about Father Brian? Um, don't let him trick you. He's actually really smart. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was very brotherly yeah, of thanks. you. Thanks. So, so you and Father Brian were in the same household. Is that what you say? Same, same community? community. Yeah. Within the community, because you have the whole yeah the same the whole local, religious order, the same local okay community. local community. Yeah. As opposed to loco community. Well, I mean, it was particularly loco. <laughs> so yeah, the both. Okay, so I was. I was in the van with Father Brian and a number of college students. We were taking some kind of trip when I was up there. Visiting yeah, we're going you. hiking. Oh, we right? were going hiking, probably. In the, in the White Mountains. Yeah, like a yeah. mountain trip. Yeah, so Father Brian's talking to me, and he was he was in his first year, I think, of being ordained as mm-hmm. a priest, and he was doing marriage prep with these couples who yeah. were preparing for the sacrament. And so he says to me, so I'm meeting with these couples, and... <laughs> He's also from Houston. <laughs> Make so no mistake part. about it. Yeah. And so he says, you know, I'm thinking, what should I tell them? So I've been asking married couples, how long have you been married? I'm like, eight years, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, okay, so what advice would you say to couples? So I mentioned some things like, I don't know, prayer and et cetera, mm-hmm. love. I so I say some nice things, I thought. And then Father Brian's like, well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've heard that the hard part really comes once you get settled in and you've been married for a number of years and things are more routine and, mm-hmm. you know, they just, get, it gets kind of normal and then you really have to work through that, you know, to keep that fire. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he turns to me and like looks at me like, right? And I'm like, actually, uh, I don't know whether I've experienced that. <laughs> and he's like, have you been married eight years or eight months? I'm like, it feels like eight months. Really? Like, I don't, we've never really settled down in, stopped moving, been normal. Like, I. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. Close one day, right? Every time we like talk about oh. it, some life change happens. So. I I I don't have any advice about that. You have no advice for the unchaotic times, is what you're saying. No advice. If you have no chaos, <laughs> you've come to the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have a prayer for peace, though. <laughs> a prayer for peace in the midst of the chaos. Well, I think that's the time it's best applied. Ah, okay. that's when you need it the most. Yeah. So maybe we could pray with that prayer. It's a prayer that St. Francis of Assisi wrote. Yeah, that sounds like a good <clears throat> That sounds like a good prayer then. I thought you were going to argue with me about that. He didn't write it. <laughs> it was it was written by someone else and put on a, a prayer card with him on it. <laughs> but everyone says it's the prayer of St. Francis and that's that's okay. You I mean, it I is the prayer that of St. Francis. Let that slide. Oh, because we because we like we made attribute. it the prayer of Saint Francis. <laughs> right. yeah. We gave him this he prayer. He did not write it, but it is the prayer of Saint Francis. That's it the name is of it. Because we say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's a call and response. It's like an echo song, mm-hmm. and so I think we talked about how I wasn't going to put you on the spot anymore for singing. Um, yeah, I'm not going to. Okay, so join great. You in so the I'm going to have David sing with me. You could sing in your heart. Well, yeah. I mean, like the yeah. like the people listening who don't have mics. Mm-hmm. I'll sing along with them. Okay, without mics. That would be great. So you're going to sing to the side of your mic? Um, Something like that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's okay, the lyrics. Okay, David, do you know this song? 
I do. Let's practice it first and then we'll like pray it. We'll like we'll pray it up. You know what All I'm saying? Right. No. Oh, you are you're just ready to go. Look sure. at him. This is he's so not chaotic. We're he's not just ready. He's prepared. Why not? Yeah. All right, fine. Let's pray. All righty. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow your love. Where there is injury, may I bring your pardon, Lord. Where there is doubt, faith, where there's despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light, and in sadness, joy. Make me an instrument. Make me an instrument. Of your peace. Of your peace. Make me an instrument. Make me an instrument. Of your peace. Of your peace. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand. Or to be loved as to love, for in giving we receive, and in pardoning we are pardoned, and in dying we are born to eternal life. Make me an instrument, make me an instrument of your peace. Of your peace Make me an instrument Make me an instrument Of your peace Of your peace Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Being uh, unscathed mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I love that word. It's a great one. And um, to be unscathed implies that you can be scathed. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I as I think that for me, uh, that that especially makes me think of being s- like scratched, scathed, yeah. or scratched. They're like similar yeah, imagery. Exactly, exactly. So we had some we had some other other words: unhurt, unharmed, uninjured, mm-hmm. um, scratched. Though I like that as an addition: um, unscratched. Mm. And, uh, I think as, as, as a kid, we would go, um, we'd go upland game hunting with like my, my dad, my brother, my wait, cousins. Wait. Upland? Yeah. Upland game. Upland game. What does that mean? Um, so it'd be like pheasants and partridge we'd go, we'd go for, um, and we didn't have dogs. So like the way, the way you hunt for them is they're in the woods, like hiding in the bushes. Yeah. And you have to scare them out. And then when they, when you scare them, they fly and you get to, you shoot at them. <laughs> Sorry. I can't, this is amazing. Yeah. I I knew that you were, I know that you're outdoorsy. Yeah. But this is new levels. Yeah. So this is like really. <laughs> like a partridge in a pear tree. That's like what I'm picturing. Oh, if it was in a pear tree, it'd be easy to shoot. But yeah, uh, normally they're in like the, in the, shr- in the underbush, you know, like the undergrowth <laughs> and you, you can't find them. And like partridge, when they when you get to them and they you spook them, they uh, they fly out and 
It's like this huge, <laughs> this big like noise. Was that the it sound of the you. gun or the sound of the? That's the sound of the partridge. Oh, no. You're scary. <laughs> sorry, uh, all the vegans. So, th- so then, <laughs> then they okay, they jump out and and then yeah, you shoot at them. And, and <laughs> in my family, usually like a bunch of us would shoot, and maybe one of us would get it. Um, but maybe not. So, okay. I, but as as we're <clears throat> yes. we're hiking, especially since we didn't have dogs, like we had to to flush them out. <sighs> you. you <laughs> so at the end of the day, like if you weren't scratched, then like you didn't try hard <laughs> enough. Because like you need to be in the bushes and like going through the um, just the thicket in order to get them. So like if you if every time there's like a really dense part, you just walk around it. Okay. You're never gonna scare. You're never going to scare So you'll up. remain unscathed. You'll but remain unscathed. You won't accomplish. You wouldn't have entered into the chaos. Exactly. So like there's there's nothing <laughs> like so. Okay. You remained unscathed, but like nothing happened. <laughs> you have no quail. Wait, is quail one of them? Um, It would be. Yes. There, there weren't quail in um mm-hmm. in northern Michigan partridge. and stuff. It would be partridge and pheasants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank so, you. Yeah. That's a great... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I'm learning a lot more about you. Yeah. In this moment. Wow. It yeah, I mean I've always said I was outdoorsy. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So I, I I love that um like just experience of, of thinking like it's worth it to, to really go through those those hard parts in, in even in just the uh like the opportunity to get it. Because often we'd still like walk all day. Yeah. In a big line, and like maybe not see any birds, but okay. it was still. But this is part of like the bonding experience. Yeah, exactly. All you guys. Yeah, and with the bonding, we. Um, this didn't happen every time. Only, only a couple times when like the, um, when the conditions were exactly right. Okay. Um. Sometimes in in the woods there'd be, uh, like a series, like a, a bunch of trees that were were dead. And probably what happened was like a big storm came through and broke the tops off of a bunch of the trees. Dead trees. Dead so trees. they're like laying on the ground. No, so they're rotting. They're standing up upright still, but they're dead, and like the tops are broken off. Okay. So and you can tell like that 12, they're dead because there's like no leaves or something. Yeah, they're like twelve feet tall. There are no branches and no leaves, and they're covered uh, in okay. um, in holes. From woodpeckers. Oh, I can picture this. Like right. maybe little creatures live inside yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh? I know. Yeah, I know. So if they're small enough, like six inch diameter or less. The tree? The tree. Like um, a little dead tree. Yeah, I mean, so that you know, I mean it's it's like a substantial, but it's yeah, it's not like a Okay, it's not like a it's not like a four foot tree or oak something. tree. Okay, yeah. okay, got yeah. it. Okay, I'm picturing it. All right. Um, or even, you know, if they're bigger, maybe, maybe eight inches close to a foot and really dead, what my brother and my cousin and I discovered mm-hmm. was you can tackle the trees. <laughs> Ooh. <Which> like, <laughs> sounds fun. Like, yeah. this is different than hugging a tree. <laughs> Definitely different than hugging. I mean, at one moment, the mechanics are the same. <laughs> We're like, you're touching it with your shoulder and your arms are around it. But that's like a split second. So then what happens? Well, ideally, it's dead enough that it you can break it and, and then you just like knock it over. Oh, my goodness. And it is, um, 
really fun. So do you like yell timber and then you? Oh like- yeah, yeah. You yell, yell a bunch of stuff. And then As you're, you're like, tackling, <laughs> tackle the tree, you hit it and it like falls over. And ideally, you know, like you stay upright and the top, it'll break into a couple pieces. So like the top you won't You stay upright. You. you don't go down with it. You're just like, boom, and it, yeah. it falls. Just, yeah. He's like, use your shoulder or something. Yeah. So that's, that's just fun on its own. But wow. then when there's a couple of us, my like brother, cousins. my cousin and I, or a couple of the cousins, uh, then it becomes um, a game of. Who's going to be the first to hit one that's still too firm? Oh, no. And that's even more fun. Mostly dead is partly alive. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because then, like, you got to go for it. But sometimes it's still pretty solid and it does not budge. What happens to you? You budge a lot more. Are you so, picturing this, David? I just see David like <laughs> looking off into the distance. Like, yes, what? I do have a mental picture. Yeah, so I mean, the the like <laughs> the best image is like my cousin Dan running at one, hitting it, and just like getting spun and like <laughs> falling over because it was it was still a strong tree. Uh, oh, so hilarious! N- yeah, n- how would that be? Not unscathed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, ideally, there. Um, if you're the one, if you're the one tackling a tree, you're remaining unscathed. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you, for everyone else there, well, you you hope that they. Oh, it's a lot more fun if they get scathed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I mean, the images of that. Uh-oh. I I, I at, at, at times will just think of that and, and and laugh, seeing my brother hit one. Okay, so yeah. it's not all bad. To be, I'm trying to say this. Okay. (laughs) These double negatives, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not always bad to get scathed. So sometimes it's, what are we trying to say? Yeah, it's not always bad to be scathed. It's not always bad to be scathed. Yeah. In fact, some. It's not always good to be unscathed. Oh, that's it. It's not always good to be unscathed because it can mean that you're not really entering. Oh, I see. Yeah. It can mean that you're not really entering the chaos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, if if your highest priority is to emerge unscathed, mm. the surest way is to just skirt the edge. Okay. Um, I have some stretch marks. <clears throat> just wanted to confess that. Thanks. I would think about that being scathed. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, they're for my children. Um. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I mean. No more comments. <laughs> All of a sudden, my mental image is them like coming up to me like <laughs> little monstrous creatures. Grabbing. That's not what I mean. If anyone else went there with me, it's not what I'm talking about. Let me just back this up. Okay. I've given birth four times and my body bears the marks. And I remember, like, observing myself, like, shortly after Sarah, our fourthborn, was, came into the world, and, and I was talking to the Lord about my body, and I was like, all right, Lord, it's okay, because resurrected body, one day, I will have, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in, in heaven, the, the new, the newly updated version of myself, and then these stretch marks resurrected body. won't be there, and that will be great. And I really felt like the Lord was saying to me in my heart, like, you want a resurrected body with no wounds? And I was like, oh, yeah, wow, like, 
no no scars and then i'm thinking it just it just struck me so deeply um that prayer experience of thinking about the resurrected body of christ and how he appears to us with the nail marks yeah exactly with the wound still yeah with the wound in his side and healed and resurrected but still bearing the marks and i was like oh um no i don't want to ask for that after all thanks good dog (laughs) (sighs) yeah there's i mean that's uh immensely beautiful right in the resurrection uh, with the resurrected body we we are who we are it's not like we're we're changed and re reordered and restructured Mm -hmm. i still Mm -hmm. had those wounds because that's what he went through Mm -hmm. they didn't they weren't hurting him. They weren't killing him anymore. Right. But, but yeah, he still he still bore the marks of the crucifixion of what it of what it took, what it mm-hmm. cost. Yeah. Somebody talked about uh, the the difference between when we when we use the analogy of wounds, like in our spiritual life, mm-hmm. emotional experiences, that uh, we could have like infected wounds or yeah. wounds that are healed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the wounds that are are infected can st- still be hurting you, harming you. Um, and, and those that are healed are, are not causing you that harm anymore. Um, but they're still with you. They still impact who Mm -hmm. you are. They still remind you of what you've been through. And, and like for me, using my body as an example, like remind me of what I went through for my children. Um, in, in which case that, uh, seems so beautiful to me now. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful and important, right? That um, that is those those kids. That's an important part of who you are, physically, but um, but spiritually and, and emotionally. I mean, all of those pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So to to have like the evidence of that removed in the resurrection. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe not so be. Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about like? For those listening, how do how in the and they're thinking about somebody in their life who's going through a lot of chaos, and they're like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. but I want to avoid getting these scars that we're talking about." Yeah, yeah. So I exactly. So I think <laughs> entering in is an important piece to that. Then, right? Mm-hmm. Like actually getting into the thick of it um, of another person's of chaos. A, of another person's chaos. Like that's <laughs> that at times is important, right? And the spirit calls us to do that. Um, Still, though, there there are prudent ways to do that, right? And there are imprudent ways. Um, like don't. Well, I think I think we've got a clip of um, one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. Anchorman. Of um, like one way to jump into chaos. Okay. You want to play that clip? <clears throat> it's an exhibit A. Yeah. We go into the bear pit. <laughs> no, run, no, no, no. <laughs> I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> okay. I, love, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, so like, that's not 
the best way to enter into <laughs> someone's chaos, right? Like okay, jumping so in do that? to the bear pit. Because <laughs> like, you're not the like helping anyone. There. Like, <laughs> oh, because there's, I get it. Because she was already in the, yeah, there's there was someone in, the in there. And so he was going to be heroic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to jump to the bear pit with her and help her out. And then he gets down there and it's like, oh, I, now there's two of us stuck in the bear pit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Like, maybe. <laughs> Maybe try and get a ladder first, right? You know, yeah. Um, but on the one hand, it, it is admirable to just like jump in and be with. And there is something about um, being with someone in the midst of their chaos and mm-hmm. just letting them know that you're there. That's, yeah. That's, 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 I like uh, how you're pointing this out as like, um, <laughs> What not to do, but also maybe yes. <laughs> Could there be times? Could there be times? Yeah. Right. Well, because like my dad is a psychologist and he he described like somebody who's in, in the state of chaos, Ohio, just kidding, um, <laughs> who is no, who is like, and he described it as like a pit that you're they're in, mm-hmm. it, like they fell into this pit and they can't get out. He said the way to help them is not to jump in there with them. Mm-hmm. Because then what are you going to do? You need to like hang on to something, have a tree branch, yeah. have a rope that you hang on to, then lower your hand and help them out. Yeah. But I guess I, I honestly always thought of that as like you're avoiding the hurt that they're in. You're avoiding feeling the pain that they're in because you're, you're like sturdy and stable. But as we're talking about this, I'm starting to see like even to lower yourself, even if you have a rope or something, you know, something mm-hmm. that you're hanging on to. To come to the assistance of the other person, like that's going to affect you and maybe you're going to get scratched or you're going to get bruised or mm-hmm. harmed mm-hmm. in some way. Or you're going to enter into that, um, what do we say, chaos is utter confusion or disorder Yeah. in order to help them and that it doesn't leave you, I guess I have to say unscathed here. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that for the end because it's like such a great word. <laughs> yeah, that in, in that sense of like lowering yourself a little or, or whatever it is, that those are movements of recognizing this person's chaos and entering into it mm-hmm. and, and really being present, right? Because to avoid it completely, you know, you'd be, you could be like standing at the edge of the pit or like 10 steps back and be like, mm-hmm. good luck. <clears throat> right. Like, it, it, yeah, you're fine. I'm sure you're fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. those are ways to just completely ignore. So it does take something of us to go in and um, and reach in there. Right. Yeah that's, yeah, that's great. David, you were saying before we started filming, when we were talking about this topic, you were, I said the title, can you enter another's chaos and emerge unscathed? And you're like, that's what I try to do with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I was just wondering, you know, as we're having this conversation, you know, if you have anything that you want to add um, about the chaos in your life. Uh, <laughs> Pointing to myself. Yeah, well, it <clears throat> seems like maybe it's, well, my willingness to be to be with you, well, starting with, you know, like, you know, being engaged and asking you to marry me. Um you're saying you started it? Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But then each day, too, like, because you have to continue loving. So I'm I'm choosing it voluntarily, um, even though I know that, like, just like with our personality types, you doing things that are 
that are new or um, bringing change into our family's life that would be like more like radical change that would, you know, throw a lot of things into chaos, so to speak. I, I know the potential for that, but I'm also like excited about that as well, which I think it is one of the things that attracts uh, why I'm attracted to you. But yeah, then Father Matt was saying like, but about like remaining unscathed. And I was just thinking about, yeah, like I can, re I can relate to that though. Like, like if we're going to have a, like a challenging conversation, which seems to be a lot of them, <laughs> I'm like, I sort of have like defenses up too. I'm like, all right, all right, like we're going to talk, but I'm also like, what's going to happen? Are we going to move across the country? Are we, you know, like what, what major change is going to come? So I don't know. I, I just related to that. The title of the episode. So. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. <laughs> I, I'd like to talk about a saint, a canonized saint who lived a very chaotic life and how he was able to then at the end of his life, uh, really not only to stand for Christ, um, as a martyr, but help others as well mm -hmm. uh, in, in large part because of what he went through. So maybe, do we have a pic that picture, David, of the Chinese martyrs? St. Mark G. Tian Tian was a doctor. He also became addicted to opium. Mm -hmm. It was something that he prescribed for himself as a relief for some pain, but he got hooked and so he kept using it, but he didn't want to. You know, you, you, we were talking before um, yeah. about pornography compulsion as an example of something that you recognize, like someone can recognize, I don't want to do this. This is bad for me. This is bad to be involved with and say like, no more. And yet still keep falling back into that vice or that addiction. Is he one of the people in this picture? <clears throat> yeah. So St. Mark G. Tian which is a really awesome name. He's one of those who were, they were martyred on July 7th, 1900. And up until that point, he went 30 years without the sacraments because his confessor said after a while, he said, I don't believe that you're really sorry mm -hmm. because you keep confessing the same thing. You keep confessing this addiction and you're not breaking it so or I think Nothing's my guess changing. is he would have said he would keep confessing this sin yeah. versus addiction because at that point, you yeah, know, they wouldn't have had a good Yeah, sense. they wouldn't have known like there's he couldn't break free of that in, in many senses. And so he just kept praying and like staying in the community but not receiving the Eucharist mm -hmm. and not receiving the sacrament of confession and then became a martyr. So gave his life for christ when there was a an oppression happening of christians um and ended up accompanying his grandchildren and others as they also gave their lives for their faith mm -hmm. and so then he was canonized by uh, by saint john paul ii on october 1st 2000 i found this uh this this picture that we showed is on our Sunday visitors, their website. So there's more information there for anyone who wants to know more about this story. But the thing is like he, he, he didn't die in, in uh, a state of being, what do I want to say? He died as an addict. Yeah. Right. It's not like he overcame mm -hmm. this 
problem for years and he was clean for this super long time and then he was a martyr but he he was still in the throes of addiction when he gave his life for christ and was canonized by the church the church is saying like this is an example Mm -hmm. for us to look to of holiness and we believe that this person is in heaven so i feel like that is so encouraging both for those who are in a state of chaos of, for of your own, but also I think especially for those who are accompanying others in their chaos to know that it hurts. It hurts to see somebody you love being in a state of disorder. It hurts Absolutely. to see somebody who you love being uh, feeling utterly confused and to, to be close to someone who is in that place can also bring you pain. And yet to realize that God is still working in that person's life as as he's working in yours as well. And ultimately will bring the best even from that suffering. Yeah, I think he's a, a beautiful example of a saint canonized by the church for his for his faith, right? Giving his life for Christ. Um and and allowing us to see the saints we venerate are not perfect, <laughs> right? It's not like he, like you said, it's not like he achieved, like he, he was able to overcome his addiction. And then like, because of that, like mm-hmm. then he, he could um, be recognized as a saint. Like, no, that the saints lives like our lives mm-hmm. are chaotic. Mm-hmm. And there is, um, there's some just, more than others. Some more than <laughs> others. Exactly. Yeah. So like, um, for any of us who like feel trapped by addictions or by anything else, like pray, trust in God's grace, seek to overcome that. Right. Mm. Don't, don't just give into that. Um, and even still you can be a saint in the midst of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's the greatness of God's grace and the, the, uh, the mercy that's mm. always offered. Right. So when you accompany someone else in their chaos, you mm-hmm. might not get out unscathed, but that might not be a bad thing. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, and thank you to all of those who support this podcast uh, as an Amanda Vernon patron. If you'd like to become an Amanda Vernon patron, you can find out about the rewards that we will send you in our gratitude. You can find out more about our family and our message by visiting amandavernon.com slash patron and i'd also like to thank the congregation of holy cross father matt's religious order and father brian's and father brian's religious order for their support especially in allowing father matt to come down to be able to film this on a regular basis and to be able to share his story so so freely and generously the lord be with you and with your spirit may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen go in peace thanks be to god